0: Hola, my beautiful humans, this is Jasmine Castillo, and I bring stories and cases from the People of Color community, bringing awareness of murdered and missing Indigenous women, girls, two spirits, the LGBTQ community, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander, Black Indigenous people of color. These are their stories. So, welcome to Hands Off, my podcast.
1: go the phone line. And we want to welcome back Arlene Harbison to the program. Arlene is the niece of uh, the late Leon Larellis, who was uh, murdered execution style on May 10, 1996. Uh, that murder is a cold case murder, of course, and it has gone unsolved for 27 years. Good morning, Arlene. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for being with us. So, uh, I uh, this is actually was one of the very first cases I ever worked on uh, here in Brownwood. And uh, again, as I said, May 10th, 1996, 27 years ago, he was found on FM-2126 after some folks that were driving by there saw a fire, and when the firefighters arrived, they found your uncle. They are dead from a gunshot wound to the back of the head. He was killed, execution style. And you uh, have uh, been crusading for some, this case to be solved for many, many years, Arlene.
2: Yes, I have. And you've been there with us from the beginning.
1: Well, uh, happy to do it. And, you know, um, so it's been so long. Are you hearing anything new? We had you on back last fall. Uh, what are what are the law enforcement folks uh, saying to you about this?
2: Um, they actually haven't said anything. Um, I've been working tirelessly for the last five years trying to get a copy of his autopsy report, and I'm unable to, which is illegal since I am a family member, and also after 25 years of no. No um new information, I'm entitled to have that, but I'm being refused by
1: every avenue. So that's extra frustration added to our grief there. Is there not a medical examiner's office where that could come from? From some sort of archive? Yes, ma'am. I have contacted them
2: at Travis County. I've contacted the Attorney General, the Brownwood DA. They all tell me that Judge Hurt is the one that has those records. And I've contacted his office and some of my friends have contacted him as well. And as well as the Sheriff's Department, um, which Judge Hurt refers to, which I had already asked, but Everyone tells me the Judge Hart has those records and I haven't been able to obtain them. Well,
1: that is. Uh, what? That doesn't what make a lick of sense you know to me. No, it doesn't either. I thought no, I thought it you could go down. I've gone down and asked to see a file and it wasn't anybody even kin to me and got to look at an autopsy report.
2: Right.
1: It was like a public record. It,
2: exactly, it is. And that's why it's extra frustrating that they won't even allow me to have a copy of that. Um, Judge Hurt and others have told me that it was in the basement. Of course, it hadn't been digitized and that they look at it periodically. But then as of last week, he now says that it was, um, they were damaged in a flood that I don't know about.
1: So I don't know what's
2: going on and why.
1: Well, and, and uh, the the thing that I would think, Arlene, is that, that, uh, that a copy of that autopsy is available somewhere else besides just Judge Hurt's offices. That's what I'm thinking. A medical examiner, for example. But you've gone there. Right. Way. I Yes, I've contacted a medical
2: examiner in Travis County, and they referred me to Judge Hurt.
1: Do you have any reason why you think that no one wants you to see the autopsy? We know what happened. Exactly. It's like, I just
2: want to know if there were other injuries. You know what was collected, things like that, and the fact that I'm being refused to have a copy really
1: makes me question what is going on there. And have you gone to the, uh, the Department of Public Safety? They they used to have a cold case squad. Do they still have that? Well, at
2: some point they told me that Leon's case went to the Texas Rangers Cold Case Division, mm-hmm. but if you look it up, Leon's not listed on there, only um, Bobby McBride's listed.
1: Oh, okay, so Amanda Goodman's not on there either?
2: No. Interesting. And that's what I want to bring some awareness to, that it's not just Leon's case, it's been cold for twenty-seven years. Amanda's is thirty-four years. Bobby McBride's forty-two years cold and no arrests have been made. So what's happening? Why are they refusing to let any outsiders come and help?
1: Well what what just for to refresh if you can other people's memory about what happened that night or what the, what the story is just in case somebody hears all this and goes, "Well, oh, I, I remember that." So, kind of, what are sure. the, the basic details?
2: Leon lived in Bangs, which is like seven miles away. So he always went to work early. He scheduled at 12 a.m., and so he'd leave his house at 11:30, which he did that night. And he was in the parking lot at approximately like. 1140-ish to 1145 where one of the co-workers looked out the window and did see him. She said to herself, yay, Leon's here. um so she went back to work and when 12 o'clock came and he wasn't there, she was immediately, um suspecting something had happened because he was never ever late. He didn't just not come to work. Plus she had seen his car out in the parking lot, so she called My uncle that Leon was living with, and he drove Leon's route to see if anything had happened, and they didn't find anything, so she called the police department at that time, and she said that when she was on the phone with them, there was a fire truck that passed by at that moment, which was just a few minutes after 12 a.m., and she didn't know at the time that it was because of Leon's car um, that was set ablaze that that fire truck was going out there too. And there was two nine one one callers that saw Leon with a red and white pickup truck behind him there at the gun range. And then later, the other call was they they saw the car on fire.
1: Now, uh, Arlene, let me ask you, did the employee of the Kroger see other individuals in the parking lot with him or did she just see him by his car
2: um she doesn't recall that she saw any one or another vehicle there she just remembers seeing leon's car and thinking to herself yay leon's here
1: and that would have been before he was supposed to go to work because he left early now do you is it believed that he may have known these people and followed them out to the gun range or was he more or less kidnapped and then taken to the gun, right?
2: Um, Honestly, I believe that he was kidnapped because Leon would never have left, you know, on his own without going in and telling the employee that he was gonna be late or he was gonna, you know, not show up or he had to go do something. I don't believe he would just leave on his own. Also, Leon was a very shy person. So he would 100% comply with anyone that, you know, was holding a gun or knife to him. He would have gone with them. And there were
1: some people that speculated early on, uh, and, you know, just even years uh, after, that this was, in fact, a hate crime because Leon what, was gay. Is that right?
2: Yes. We believe that's exactly what happened not only was he gay he was you know he was a hispanic male gay in a town where it's very conservative and there was a lot of um homophobic racism there
3: especially within the force
1: oh okay okay and in okay and so Almost immediately, uh, his brother, that's George Lorellis, uh, and I have to him over the years, investigator to help with the case. How did that turn out?
2: Well, it was him and I that hired um, this investigator, but he didn't really do much. He was there for about a week, and then he said that um, there was a lot of corruption in that town, and he had been threatened so he would not continue and he left and that was that.
1: So it looks like in 2002 the family uh, then offered a $10,000 reward for information. Nothing have, has ever transpired from that.
2: Nope. Um, I also have billboards in town now that we rotate to different areas in case anyone does have any
1: information they can call and be anonymous. Arlene, now you have uh, gotten, you've been on several podcasts. You've been on Texas Wine and True Crime, Gone Cold Texas True Crime and The Fall Line and uh, you are you, you have more recently uh, been leading a Facebook crusade to get the story on Dateline NBC. Now has anything come of uh, this story being on any of the podcasts? If you've have you had any leads come through from that? Um, yeah, I've,
2: I've been on 11 different podcasts, and there are people um, like friends and coworkers of Leon that have come forward and given us a little bit of information, but, you know, not enough to point directly to a certain person. Um, but I still have hope. So I'm still trying to bring awareness to this case and all the cold cases in Brownwood.
1: Well, and, and let's talk about this. Uh, you are having an event uh, in his honor tomorrow, a vigil, a memorial. Talk to us about that and what will go on.
2: Yeah, actually it's on Saturday and it will be, um, we're going to start at 10 a.m. It's at the one to House and Authority Community Center. And I mostly just want to honor and remember him for the person that he was and not what happened to him, because Leon was a very loving, caring, compassionate person. He always put other people first, and he never had an unkind word to say about anyone. So I want to remember him for those things. Um, you know, I just feel like he's being forgotten, and I want to make sure that he's not, and bring awareness to this case in hopes of it being reopened and maybe some fresh new eyes can take a look at the case
1: and at the event I'm sorry I misspoke it is at, on Saturday and it's mm-hmm. at 10 o'clock and that will be at 1500 Terrace and that is the community room of, of, the, housing the, of the housing
2: authority Of the and you can get more information on the Facebook page
1: uh, Justice for Leon Morella okay And, uh, you know, good luck in this, and uh, uh, I hope that uh, people are listening and uh, that all of these cold cases could uh, come to some conclusion, the families and loved ones, you know, it's, uh, it's closure and the community needs to pay attention. Exactly.
2: I want to bring awareness to the whole community because a lot of people are not aware of
1: these cases we've been speaking this morning to Arlene Harbison Arlene thank you so much and again uh, the uh, justice for Leon lorales is that what the name of the Facebook page is
2: yes it is And thank you so much I appreciate your support
1: always thank you so much Arlene
2: thank you
0: It has been nearly half a year since I last spoke to Arlene through Zoom. During our episode of 27, I learned more about the life of Juan Leon Lorelles and what he meant to her and others close to him. Arlene held Leon in high regard, speaking fondly of their closeness before his tragic murder on May 10th, 1996. This Wednesday will mark 27 years. When Leon was found off of FM 2126 in rural Texas, shot execution style next to his burning car. The case has remained open and unsolved ever since. And many, as well as myself, consider Leon's murder to be a hate crime as he was gay, Hispanic man. My family accompanied me on my first visual memorial as a true crime podcaster an event that marked the beginning of a new chapter for me personally. Meeting with open arms from both Arlene and her wife, Leah, was ever heartwarming. It allowed me finally to give them each long-awaited hugs after our six-month interview. As we talked further into the night, delving deeper into emotions surrounding burdens felt by those affected by a tragedy such as this one, became apparent behind Arlene's eyes. It is clear she puts so much effort towards preparing annual vigil memorials like the Justice for Leon event around the May 10th anniversary. Saturday, Leon Lorelles's event started early 630 a.m. The morning forecast was to bring rain had an 80% chance throughout our day. Typical Texas weather. Despite these odds against us staying dry during this event, we planned out beforehand. We made sure umbrellas were packed just in case, so nothing would dampen spirits or ruin preparations put forth. Arlene and Leah went to the community center located at 1500 Terrace Drive in Brownwood, Texas, to set up tables for the Walk of Justice for Leon Larellis. Leon and his, and the reason why you're fighting all this time, like this...
3: And that's what I want to focus so much. on a little bit more this time.
0: Um, usually it's always
3: like I'm trying to, you know, bring up what happened to him and how we are still seeking justice. But this time I wanna make it a little bit more about who he was. Right. The person he was before happened to him.
0: Before ten AM, people began to gather into the community center. There were a handful of friends, family members and true crime podcasters who greeted each other and embraced Arlene and her wife. I was able to finally meet Vincent, host and producer of Gone Cold Podcast, Melissa and Whitney of Colts, Crime, and Cabernet, Haley Gray of Haley Gray Research, and Season of Justice, who helped fund the billboards of Leon Lorellis. I was also able to chat with Angelina Deans, a longtime classmate of Leon.
3: I went to school with Leon. We grew
2: up okay. on the same side of town. We were north side kids. Okay. We went to start school in first grade and went all the way through together, yeah. Oh wow. So, oh wow. Yeah. And your name
0: is here? My name is Angelina Deans. Deans, uh-huh. okay. And I'm yeah. Jasmine Castillo. Oh okay. So well, um... nice to meet yeah, you. Yes, nice meeting you. So there was a layout of breakfast snacks, well supplied beverages, and a surprise guest that attended. It was young That's young so kids. interesting it's how good. they had Mama, the... that. Kind
2: of that yeah, with the pictures. Oh my
0: gosh, how did they do that? <laughs> No, kidding. did you do these? Absolutely not. Oh, okay. <laughs> Very impressed My cousin
3: made, uh, when I
0: was no, working no, here, she nothing. had Oh she yeah, the ultrasound? on, the ultrasound on the And I was
3: like, wow! That is so cool! And these are so like, they
0: That is so awesome. And you're, I'm sorry, your name kind fun of is? April. April. Lorellis. Lorellis, okay.
3: George Lorellis' daughter. George Lorellis' daughter. George but um, I know that I guess my
0: dad and Leon they live together. Okay. Yes, I remember. So right
3: before
0: I was born. Passed, so. uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm one of the podcasters that, that brought awareness of Leon Loralis' case. I'm from Hands Off My Podcast, so I drove down here. I was like, Well, yeah. I mean, I'm always like a digital warrior, but I thought like getting involved and actually being part of something. I'm like, I got to get out of my comfort zone. So um, yeah, I'm a little like what do I do where I go where I stand? So I am so glad that you are you are supporting me absolutely. for this. So today's the day Yes, absolutely. I love it. I love it. Thank you. We walked around and viewed the table displayed of pictures, yearbooks, and a few of Leon's favorite prize possessions. A magazine and a record of Madonna, Arlene giggles to me and says, this is a record that I actually stole from Leon. Everything was in his favorite color, purple, from purple foiled wrapped Hershey kisses to the purple hearts that if planted would grow flowers. The surprise guest that attended that Arlene had quietly stated to me, a family member that has been absent for many years, yet he was the one who started the vigils and memorials for Leon Lorelles." George Lorelis, Leon's brother. George lived with Leon at the time of his murder and took up the initiative to bring awareness and fight for justice for Leon, but after years had passed, it had worn to the point that he wasn't able to carry this burden. Arlene decided to pick up where George left off and continued annual vigils, memorials, and walks of justice for Leon. As the group began to quiet down, Arlene started to say a few words.
3: So much. Leon was taken from us far to soon in a senseless act of violence. Although this tragedy occurred 27 years ago, the pain of Leon's loss is just as raw and painful today as it did first, when it first happened. The fact that the case remains unsolved only adds to our grief and frustration. wept to wonder? Who could have committed such heinous crime and why? It's a treasure that we may never have the answers we seek, and the perpetrators may never see justice. But despite the lack of closure, we are here to remember Leon's life and the legacy that he left behind, and to renew interest and awareness in this case. Leon was a loving, and sweet, kind passionate person who always put others first and who never had an unkind word to say about anyone. He touched the lives of so many people, big and small, leaving behind countless memories that will never fade. Whether it was dancing at the local dance hall, babysitting, cooking, Leon strove to enjoy his life and lift up others. We may never know who was responsible for Leon's death, though we can honor his memory by fighting tirelessly for justice and helping other families do the same. It's a task that Leon himself would be proud of.
0: may those of us
3: who view Leon personally never forget the life that he brought into our lives. May we all take strength from the numbers gathered here today and work to bring about justice, not only for Leon, but for all the victims. This case, case follows a cold, collecting dust, and
0: continue to bring heartache to those left behind. April Lorelles, the daughter of George Lorelles, came up with a prayer to the group and family for protection and guidance in hopes of finding more answers and bringing closure for Leon. Afterward, the group began to create signs and paint rocks. These rocks will be placed at the site where Leon's body was found. In the background, Arlene's wife plays Madonna songs to commemorate Leon's favorite artist. By noon, the group gathered and headed to one of the first billboard signs near the site where Leon's body was discovered off of FM 2126. As we walked toward the marked cross, carrying the painted rocks and messages of hope and remembrance, the family of Lorella stood in silence. We realize how much work still needs to be done to address the root causes of violence in the Brown County area. Right
3: here, and I put a cross up here so that people could see.
0: Is yeah. that here? Yeah. Okay. He going over the gate? Okay, goes over
3: here. Alright, it's a little tricky getting
2: out of here, but we can back in into the gun room and we're going to head out this way. Um, when you see Austin Street, take a right. But I'll try to get ahead of you guys. Again.
0: If you need help backing up, my husband is a CDL train driver and so he will do it. I, don't, I can't back up. I
2: don't
3: like driving <laughs> backward. Follow me, or you can follow
2: that the white. Yeah, we'll be the
0: tail end. Yeah. So that
3: way we don't lose anybody, right? So if you'll notice, though, like you can't see down here from the road unless you're like really driving slow and looking down here. And I I I feel like they put the car on fire so that it can be noticed. You know what I mean? Interesting Because they didn't set him on fire, just the car, but that brought attention
0: to where he was. God, that makes me feel like there's there had to be more than the after effect of doing something so vicious to the conscience just kicked in all of a sudden. Yeah, you know, like remorse happened. Yeah, yeah, that's how it kind of feels like, yeah. It's too bad, not only destroying evidence, but it's the of force. I
2: mean, it worked for some reasons. It's
0: almost like a sense of, fence, fits of rage, and then all of a sudden, just kind of a compose. Yeah. Arlene and Leah's story are just two among countless others, and it's heartbreaking to think about all the lives that have been lost or forever changed because of senseless acts of violence. Afterward, we headed to the second billboard location and stood by the street holding up Justice for Leon or Who Killed Leon signs and pointed towards the billboard encouraging people to look up. A couple of people passed by and waved or gave us a honk for justice is what I called it seeing my son holding up signs my son that falls under the autism spectrum a boy that can't stand the loud noises of traffic or the heat of texas speeding sun a boy that never met leon he stood out there determined and dedicated standing amongst people he just met that morning fighting for the same cause justice for leon Lorales lastly we headed towards the brownwood cinco de mayo event suddenly marching with our signs and passing out flyers we were greeted by the participants of this festival asking us questions on who is leon and what had happened to him the group stopped at 10 miles production which was located at the 401 center avenue street downtown brownwood texas there we were welcomed with smiles a cool drink and a place to rest our feet and to at least get out of the unforgiving Texas sun, we sat around the table and began to open up more in regards to what brought us here. As we said our goodbyes and went our separate ways, I knew that this experience would stay with me for a long time. And while there is still so much work to be done, I felt grateful to have been part of this community coming together to honor those who were taken too soon. Hour and a half later, we were hit with multiple tornado, hail, and flood warnings. It was almost as if the emotions of this day precipitated into the emotions of the weather. It was almost as if Mother Nature was as angry of this injustice in the inconsistencies of investigations into Leon's death and the suspects of his murder for the last 27 years. Arlene and I chat a little bit more in regard to what would be the next steps.
3: Um, It's the uncovered. Yeah, one of their persons, that she's been helping me for like a year now, Bree. And then we have an investigator that is pro bono that has been doing some stuff for us. They're going to come and they want to go and have a reenactment there and see if... We can come up with anything else. Brian. Maybe the metal detector can detect some of the shell casings or whatever. So, I just found out that one of the bullets was lodged in his hand. Uh, apparently, he is, he was, you know, it was given to the sheriff, and I don't know where that is anymore. Oh, yeah. Okay. Everything is gone, so that's making it extra hard. Yeah. yeah.
0: After identifying the investigator, Ariana Rawley, a journalist, Bree Hansen, are working on the reenactment of Leon Loreles' timeline. This next step would be to gather all available information on his life and death. This could include interviews with family members, friends, and acquaintances, as well as reviewing any documents and evidence related to the case. It would also be important to identify any potential suspects or motives for the murder. Once all of this information has been gathered, it can be used to create a detailed timeline of events leading up to Leon's death. The reenactment itself should be carefully planned and executed, with attention paid to accuracy and detail. By doing so, it is hoped that new clues may be uncovered that will help solve this long-standing case. As our conversation came to a close, I couldn't help but feel a sense of admiration for Arlene's strength and determination. Despite the pain and heartache she has endured, she remains committed to finding justice for her uncle and bringing closure to her family. Arlene emphasized the importance of not giving up hope and continuing to push for answers, even after many years have passed. Arlene is in the process of raising enough money to hire an attorney as well as a private investigator and hopefully also a memorial mural. If you'd like to support Arlene in her quest for justice, please consider donating to her GoFundMe campaign or sharing her story with others. Every little bit helps in the fight for justice. I will identify this in the show notes. If you have any information in regards to Juan Leon Laurelis' case. Please reach out to Heart of Texas Crime Stoppers at 800-222-8477 or go to heartoftxcrimestoppers.org You can also email me anonymously at handsofmypodcast at gmail.com If you enjoy our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to come back next week for our discussion of true crime stories. Until then, this is Jasmine Castillo. We are voiceless no more. This podcast was created, produced, recorded, and edited by Jasmine Castillo. researched by Mary Meriwether, Lisa M., Laura Rodriguez, and Jasmine Castillo.